Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online. It's good good to see you, kind of. You see us more than we see you, but we're so thankful that you're watching. And uh, it has been a good weekend so far already at City Walk. Yesterday, man, it was good to see so many of you. We held our annual one event. And if you're new to City Walk, you're like, what is that? Kind of a weird name for an event. Once a year, we do an event where we, man, just encourage and try to do some training and try to say thank you and eat really hot wings and really weird cookies like we did yesterday uh, for all of our volunteers. So we had a fun day yesterday. It was good to see you, you guys. And for those of you, if you were there yesterday, you know we were waiting on UPS to bring our t-shirts. And guess when they arrived? 1.37 in the afternoon. Basically, as you were pulling out of the parking lot uh, yesterday, they arrived. And so, uh, so pick up your t-shirt if you were there, see your uh, team leader and uh, we'd love to get that for you. Uh, and if you're wondering what they look like, find Matt Lynch because he's our, he's our model for today. So uh, another thing coming up kind of as we finish the summer and kind of move into the fall, uh, not this Wednesday night, but next Wednesday night we have a family night. And so if you're new to City Walk, basically what a family night is, is we have youth group, we'll have full children's ministry, and then we'll have a class for uh, adults and singles. And so it's just kind of a fun night where we, about four times a year, do a family night. So that's not this Wednesday, it's next Wednesday. Uh, And for those of you that are the adults that will be there, we're going to be in a class, and the, the kind of the title of the class is, The Hardest Person to Lead is Me. And so we're going to talk about self-leadership and and kind of dive into that. So uh, join us, uh, not this Wednesday, next Wednesday. It's going to be a good time. So I don't know how you do your summers, but uh, whenever I begin in kind of any season, so for me, summer, now we're, we're entering the fall, so I'm starting to think through this stuff about New Year. I think about this kind of stuff. You probably do too. But I'm a very like goal-oriented person, and so I try to take you know, different times in the year and say, all right, this is something that in the next three months I want to see accomplished. And so at the beginning of the summer, uh, I came up with three, and they were physical kind of fitness goals that I had for myself for the summer. And so one of those goals was I wanted to, by the end of August, which is coming very quickly, I wanted to weigh 200 pounds. And so, man, I, I'm one of those people that I weigh, and I know you're probably not supposed to do this, but I weigh every single day because it kind of keeps me accountable to, like, put the cupcake down, you know, don't eat the second bowl of ice cream. So I weigh every single day. And so I got on the scale this morning, and I weighed in at 210 pounds, 0. 0.4. 210, and I do count the points. Uh, so 210.4. So, I, you know what I mean? If I don't eat, here between now and the end of August, I may make, uh, you know, my 200 pound goal, but, but here's what I realized. And maybe you've realized this about yourself 
in different areas of your life. I realized that, you know what? I like the idea of weighing 200 pounds. I love that idea, but I don't really like weighing 200 pounds. Because if I really liked weighing 200 pounds, I wouldn't weigh 210 pounds after three months because basically I weigh what I weighed at the beginning of the summer. And, and for me, I'm, some of my, my other, you know, the other two goals I'm, I'm moving along on, but that one hasn't moved at all. And if it's moved, it's moved in the wrong direction. Thank you, ice cream. I mean, can't blame ice cream, but I just love it. I can't help it. I love ice cream. And so maybe you, you've had some of those things in your life too, where you, you'd say, you know what, man, I like the idea of making the AB honor roll, but I also really like video games. And so the idea of making good grades is great, but you know what, I, yeah, I don't really like it that much because I'd like my video games. Or you know what, I, I really like the idea of living on a budget but I also love the idea of getting my brown sugar shake and espresso every day at Starbucks. And so, you know, you have these, these things in your life where it's like, man, I, I like the idea. I talk about it. I dream about it. I write it down. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what I say, what I write down. It matters what I do. What I do will, will be the difference between if I make a goal or not. And you the same thing in your life. And here's the thing, and you know this, this, this doesn't just happen with individuals. So this happens, this can happen with an individual where you say, you know what, man, I, I, we want this, we, I want to see this in my life, but it, we know it, man, it just kind of comes down to what you do, but it happens to teams. Every NFL football team right now is going to win the Super Bowl. They, they all, you know, we're ready, we're going, we're, we're going for the Super Bowl, but at the end of the day, next week's coming and real games are going to start and... It doesn't matter what you hope, what your poster is, what your hype video is. It matters what you do. And that happens to individuals. It happens to teams. It happens to businesses. And honestly, it happens to churches as well. Where, man, words, intentions, hopes, dreams, they're great. But at the end of the day, what matters is what we do. That's why over the last few weeks, it's one of the reasons that we have talked about, if, if you've been here the last few weeks, we've talked about as a gathering, what do we do? What are we called to do? If you were here two weeks ago, week one, we talked about this. We talked about how we keep Jesus the lead story. It's one of the things that we do. Last week, we talked about how we remove unnecessary barriers so people can meet Jesus. It's something that we do tangibly. And today, what we're going to do, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, is we're going to go to probably the most familiar story in the entire Bible. Whether you grew up in church or not, you, you probably have heard of this story. If you grew up in church, you probably have sang a song about this story it's the story of David and Goliath. And, and what we're going to do as we look at this story is we're going to learn and kind of focus on and lean into another thing that we don't talk about here at City Walk, but something that we're, we do. And it's simply this. We move forward with courage because we're not called to comfort, but to obedience. 
And so we're going to look at the story of David. And so if you have your Bible or it'll be up on the screen, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. That's where the kind of the story takes place. And and we're going to lean into this idea of, of moving forward with courage in both our personal life and also in our church, in our gathering. You, you maybe have heard the story, you maybe read the story, but we're going we're gonna to track through it. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, and it picks up the story in verse 3. It says this, it says, the Philistines, who in the Bible, that was the arch enemy. So that if you're a Cubs fan, that's the Cardinals. If you're a Giants fan, it's the Dodgers. If you're an Israelite, it's the Philistines. It's, it's the enemy. The Philistines were standing on one hill, and the Israelites were standing on another hill with a ravine between them. Then a champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. And and here's what would happen sometimes. Sometimes because they didn't want to see a lot of bloodshed, what, what would happen is in some cases, both armies would kind of pick out one person to kind of represent their army. And they would, instead of going to war, kind of both armies going to war against each other, they would have the two champions go to war And kind of whoever won that, that determined how that war was going to go. And so that's kind of what was happening here. So this guy, Goliath, he comes out from the Philistine camp and it says this. And this is the part that's super intriguing that you've heard about if you were in church or not in church. This dude was pretty big. It says this. It says he was nine feet, nine inches tall. So that means he like does that and he hits his head on a basketball rim. Like, he, he's not jumping very, I mean, he's, he's right there. His head is basically where a basketball rim is. And not only was he huge, but he had armor and kind of weapons that were probably, we would all need a spot just to pick up. It, it says this, as it talked about what he was wearing, it says, he wore a bronze helmet and a bronze scale, and, and bronze scale armor that weighed basically what a middle school boy weighs, like uh, 125 pounds. So basically he's nine foot, nine inches tall. He's wearing armor that weighs basically what a middle school boy weighs. And it goes on. I mean, it describes some of his weapons. It says in verse seven, it says his spear was like a weaver's beam and the iron point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. So just the tip of his spear was 15 pounds. I mean, this is a pretty big guy. In addition, because he needed some more help, in addition, he had a shield bearer that was walking in front of him. So like this guy needed help, he actually had a shield bearer that would walk in front of him. And basically, these shields that would walk in front of you, were basic, they were usually about your size. So the dude that's carrying his shield has to be a pretty big guy because the shield that's walking in front of him is probably close to his size. I mean, the dude's almost 10 feet. So so you can imagine, like, this is a pretty intimidating guy. And, And it goes on and it says in verse 8, it says, He stood and he shouted to the Israelite battle formations. Why do you come out to line up in battle formation? He asked him, Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose one of your men and have him come down against me. So it's that that idea, hey, I'm I'm the best on our team. You choose the best guy on your team and let's duke it out. And whoever wins, that's the winner of the war. And and, and that's basically what he says in verse 9. He says, if he wins in a fight against me and kills me, we'll be your servants. 
But if I win against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. Then the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Send a man so we can fight each other. And so this dude, Goliath, does this exact thing where he comes out. He's, he's coming out with all kind of flexing for the whole army. And he does this twice a day for 40 days, just calling out the Israelite army. Just, just come on, just send one guy, send one guy. And it, and it says this in verse 11, it tells us the reaction of the army of Israel and the king of Israel. It says, when Saul and all Israel heard these words from the Philistine, they lost their courage and were terrified. So, so this tells me at some point they had courage because they lost their courage because they were so intimidated by this guy that literally twice a day for 40 days came out and challenged them and, and just ragged on them and made fun of them and basically just like sarcastic to them, just telling them, hey, bring somebody, send somebody out. And, and here's what happened because, like I said, they had courage at one point, but but they began to listen to the voice of the enemy. And as a result, man, they were a mess. They had lost their courage. Which is, that's a really good thing for us to think about. Because when we listen to the voice of the enemy, we always lose. We lose courage. We lose relationships. We lose, and you can fill in the blank. When we listen to the voice of the enemy, we always lose. And that's what happened in this, this scenario. They, they, they had courage. This is the army of God. But yet these, these, this army and their leader, Saul, is terrified. They have lost courage. They don't know what to do because of this guy, this, this Goliath, this, the enemy. And so it, this is all happening. So the, the army is being challenged and at this point, David, he's 16 years old probably. He's, he's a kind of teenager. He, he might be late middle school, early high school. And he's about 16. And he, I mean, he's not even old enough to serve in the army, but he has three brothers that are old enough, and they're, they're part of the army. They're part of the guys that are afraid. And, and so David, he gets an assignment from his dad. His, his dad tells him, hey, I want you to kind of, I'm going to want you to take a little field trip, David. You're right now you take care of the sheep, but I'm going to have somebody else do that for a few days. I want you to go visit your brothers, kind of see how they're doing, kind of bring a report back to me. I'm going to send you like some, you know, basically like care packages, some things that they would like. And so we're going to send some food and, and you deliver that. And then you kind of find out how it's going and bring that, that report back to me. So, so verse 20 says this. I mean, again, David's taking care of sheep all day. So like this is like, yes, where, when do I go? He's ready. Verse 20, it says, so David got up early in the, in the morning. He's up quick. He left the flock with someone to keep it. He loaded up and he set out as Jesse had charged him. And so, man, he is excited about this assignment says, he arrived at the perimeter of the camp as the army was marching out to its battle formation, shouting their battle cry. Israel and the Philistines lined up in battle formation facing each other. And so even though the army was terrified, had lost their courage, they were not about to move forward to fight this, this Goliath or, or the Philistines, they were still going through the motions. 
I mean, they were still doing the stuff, lining up in battle formation. They had, they had no courage left, but they were still walking through the motions, even though they had no impact. They weren't ready to fight. They were just walking through the motions. And so David gets there, and he sees this. So to David, this is, okay, yeah, that's probably what an army should do. He, he doesn't understand what's happening yet. It says this in verse 22. David left his supplies in the care of the quartermaster, and he ran to the battle line. I mean, he's about to see his big brothers. He's excited. He drops all the stuff off, and he's, man, he's running out there, wants to see his brothers, wants to get, see, see what's going on. So, so he runs out there, and when he arrived, he asked his brothers how they were. And while he was speaking with them, suddenly the champion named Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, came forward from the Philistine battle line and shouted his usual every day for twice a day his words, which David heard. And this was new to David. This was something that the people, the army, heard a lot. But to David, it it, it wasn't. He wasn't used to this. So David reacted differently. It said, when all the Israelite men saw Goliath, they retreated. They were terrified. So imagine being David. Like you're there, if if you have three big brothers that are in the army, like they're probably, you look up to them, probably your heroes. Man, I want to be like my brothers one day. My brother can beat up your brother, kind of that kind of thing. So David gets there and he's, he's with his brothers, checking in on him, probably feeling really cool, hanging out with all these guys. And then he sees this dude saying the same thing he says every day and he's probably all right man I I think my brother can lick this guy and then he notices dude why is everybody moving backwards every everybody's why is everybody afraid everybody's retreating and and, and what had happened is that this the army had gotten so used to hopelessness to fear to not accomplishing much to staying away from anything that could take them out of their comfort zone you you may have experienced this you you may have experienced this or you've seen it for sure in sports where where a team just gets used to losing a team, they, they lose so much that, honestly, they enter a game and they expect to lose. They just have this culture of, of losing. And, and this happens in sports. This can happen in business. But it also can happen to a church. Where, man, in a church, it looks like people that they, they don't expect God to do anything in their life. They don't expect God to do anything in their church. They don't anticipate anything If anything gets out of what's comfortable to them, it throws them off. And and, and they're just hopeless. And it's just going through the motions just like this army was. No impact. Nobody's stepping out to reach anybody. It's just going through the motions, afraid of the outside world. And that's where this, this, this army is. This is what David's seeing. And so it it says this because, man, this is, like I said, this bothers David. He's 16, and it bothers him. So the army, man, they see this thing as an obstacle, but, man, David sees this as an opportunity. So David, verse 26, he spoke to the men who were standing with him. So what will be done for the man who kills that Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? 
dude, like, what's in it, dude? If I, if I take, take this guy out, like, is there money? Is, like, the, is there, a, like, a, the king's daughter? I get to marry her? Is there, like, what, what's in this thing, man? What, what's in it for me? The, the rest of the army, they're afraid. It's an obstacle. David's like, man, this is, this is an opportunity. Like, if I were to happen to go take this guy out, what would happen? What, what would it do for me? What's out there? What's available? And, and while the king and his brothers and really the entire army, they were, they were clouded with fear, man, David, his view was clear. And, and so what happened was this guy that may have looked like a cocky teenager, or maybe he's just a guy that sees things through a different lens. Word starts to spread that there, there might happen to be a guy that's dumb enough to go fight Goliath. And so the king finds out. And because the king is afraid, he's not going to go fight. Like he's like looking for options. And it says this in verse 31. It says, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. So he had David brought to him. So now David's not just seeing his brothers. Dude, he's hanging out with King Saul. Brings him in and, and David said to Saul, hey man, don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Your servant, man, I'll go fight him. David's like, man, I'll take care of this Philistine. I'm good. And this is what Saul said. But Saul replied, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth. And he's been a warrior since he was young. Man, David, you are a kid. This dude has been a warrior longer than you've been alive. You can't go do this. And what was happening was, Saul was seeing this thing through a, the voice of the enemy, where David was seeing this thing through a totally different lens. Saul saw these human limitations, and David, man, he sees this as, don't we have, like, that God that y'all taught me about all my life, isn't, isn't he still our God? So it just wasn't making sense. For David, it's just super clear. Like, I think I can just go take this guy out and take care of it. So, so it says, so when, when he said that, when Saul said that, like, man, you're just a little dude. David's like, all right, well, let, let me tell you about a couple things that happened while I was out with the sheep. Maybe this will help you feel better. Saul, he said, your servant, man, I was tending my father's sheep. And whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it. I struck it down. I rescued the lamb from its mouth. And if it, if it reared up against me, I'd grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. It's like, David, dude, you are the man. He's like, Saul, I'm not trying to brag, but I mean, you know, I was out in the field, and a lion kind of came up and started hanging out with my sheep, and I took him out. And then he started to get cocky again and started to come back, and I just grabbed him by his mane, and I just whooped him. And then there, the, the, the bear thing happened. I think there's a YouTube video out there, Saul, if you want to go watch it. I mean, I, I, I mean you can ask people. I've done this. He, so he's tr just trying to, like, let this supposed to be brave king, like, just give him a little bit of courage, at least enough to let me go fight this guy. So he says, man, your servant, in verse 36, has killed lions, bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And then David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. See, Saul, I was a faithful shepherd. 
And when challenges came, I trusted God. Fear didn't take hold of me. I watched God protect me. I watched God strengthen me. And, and, and if David were to put it in one phrase, he'd say, you know what? Faithfulness in the field, it provided David courage in the battlefield. He had just meant he never knew this op- opportunity would come. He was just doing what his daddy said because he wasn't old enough to go fight. So he's just in the, in the field, just being faithful. And hey, a bear comes. Nobody else is here to kill it. So I probably should. Lion comes. He's just like, I, I was just doing what I was supposed to do, not knowing that while I'm being faithful in the field, it's preparing me to have courage on the battlefield. And because Saul was basically out of options, he's like, all right, you're good, buddy. If you, yeah, well, let's, let's do it. And, and so, but to help, because I'm sure Saul's feeling pretty guilty, because Honestly, he's probably supposed to be the one to go out there first. Like He's the leader. And he was one of the bigger guys. Even when he became king, it says he was head and shoulders above everybody else. So, I mean, he's not 10 feet tall, but he's probably a bigger guy. He's probably a great warrior. So if anybody's supposed to go first, probably was him. And he knew that. And so you get this 16-year-old kid that's like, all right, I'm going to go fight him. And so, man, maybe to ease his conscience, he says, well, at least let me give you my, my like, sword and some of my armor. And so that's what he did. It says, Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put a bronze helmet on David's head and had him put on his armor. So David's a little dude. And Saul's a pretty big guy. And so you can see if you remember when you were a little kid and you used to go to your dad's closet or your mom's closet and you put on mom's shoes and her heels or you, you know, put on your dad's hat and his jacket, like it's, it, it's cute, but you're probably not going to go play a sport in that or you're not going to go get in a fight in that because it's a little too big for you and it's really awkward it makes for family photos, but it's not really, you're not going to go out, even go outside in this. And that's probably what's happening here because David, it says this, David strapped his sword on over the military clothes. He tried to walk, but he wasn't used to them. And so David, I mean, at this point, he's pretty straightforward with Saul. He's like, man, I can't do this. I can't walk in these. I'm not supposed to use them. So David, he took them off. See, Saul, he should have been the one fighting, but at least he thought, if I can at least give him my armor. But David's like, I don't, I, I'm good, dude. I don't need your armor. Instead, and I love this, there's such a lesson in, in what, what David did here. Instead of the armor, instead of the king, instead of the king's sword, David's like, man, what am I used to? Who am I? It says, instead, he took his staff in his hand, and chose five smooth stones from the wadi, and he put them in the pouch in his shepherd's bag. Then, with the sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. So I was looking for one of these because I'm thinking, you know what? What did David? Because when you think of a slingshot, you think of probably you know thing that looks like a Y with a little maybe a rubber band or something. He put a rock in. But, but really, a shepherd's slingshot is more like what I have in my hand here. And you can have one of these, too, for only $14.99 on Amazon. It'll be here tomorrow. Uh, but but if, you, if you were to look at this, if you were a little closer, you could see 
those of you that are watching online, basically it's just a, a little piece of leather that's about big enough to put a stone or two in. Not, a, not like a huge rock, but just a small stone. And this is probably similar to what David had. And then what they would do, he, he had a little pouch where he would just kind of pick up those stones and put them in, in that pouch. And, and then you would put a stone in there and then you literally, just like the song, you would around and around and around. And then what would happen is you would let it, let one side go. And they, David was so skilled. I mean, if I tried to do that, I'd probably hit myself with a stone or I'd hit you and I wouldn't mean to, uh, or it wouldn't even go out of here because I don't know how to use this. But David was so skilled and maybe it was, you know, out, out with the sheep. I mean, he's not got a lot going on when, when the sheep are sleeping and stuff. So he's probably practicing, but he was super skilled at this. Where, where for him, man, he could put a stone wherever he wanted to put it. And so he had, he, for him, this was what he used. This was who he was. The sword, the armor, that wasn't David. And, and so, and, and this is so important for us to, to, to know. When we trust God, it helps us be confident in our own skin. That's where David was. He trusted God, so he didn't need all this other stuff. He trusted God, and so he was he was okay with just what he was used to. See, for some reason, and, and we all do this, I know I do too, we base our level of courage on what we have compared to what others have. And, and, and here's the thing, if God chooses you for a task, he wants to use you and he wants to use what you have to accomplish it. If he needed a different skill set, if he needed a different tool, he'd choose a different person. Because David trusted God, a staff and a slingshot, a slingshot would, would work fine for him. Sometimes, I mean, this is, this is what we're used to. This is, maybe, maybe we're like David, and, and we, we have these skills, these gifts that God's given us, and we're used to them, and we use them, and we're good at it. But then when we get called to do something for God, we think, well, i got to become that person to do it. And God's saying, if I wanted that person, I would have asked them to do it. If I wanted their tools, I would have asked them. I called you to do this because I wanted you to use the tools that I've already given you. And that's where David was. And for some reason, as a 16-year-old guy, he had that clear. The army didn't have it clear. The army was afraid. But David walked into this battle confident with a staff and a slingshot. It's who he was. It's the tools that God wanted to use because God called David, not somebody else to do this. So David, he gets his stuff, man, and he's walking out there. It says this in verse 41. The Philistine came closer and closer to David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he despised him because he was just a youth, healthy and handsome. He said to David, am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? Then he cursed David by his gods. I mean, it was almost insulting. I mean, it, it would be like you know, you're, if you're a great basketball player, you play high school or college basketball, and I say, uh, my daughter, who's nine, who I think can dribble a basketball, she's going to beat you today. You'd be like, what? This is just insulting. Why, it's, what, what do you mean? It just it doesn't make sense. Goliath's like, who is this little kid? Is, his, is he coming out? Like, is his dad behind him? Because you can't be sending out this little kid. 
It, it insult, so he just ragged on him, insulted him, insulted David's God. But David, man, he, he's just cocky enough to just tell this guy like it is. He says, you know what? You come against me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. You have defied him. And so David, he's like, let me tell you what I'm about to do to you. Today, the Lord will hand you over to me. Today, I'll strike you down. I'm going to remove your head and give the corpse of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. Again, 16-year-old kid calling out the entire army of Israel's enemy, telling them he's going to feed them to basically animals. It says this, then all the world will know that Israel has a God. He's like, I'm sorry. I know the example you guys have seen has been awful because these guys are all scared, but I'm about to do something and you're, you're not going to wonder anymore about our God. You're, you're going to know our God. And it says this, and the whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will hand you over to us. Goliath, man, I, I'm going to take you out. And, and by doing so, I'm going to send a message to the world that God is the one who saves. And then he goes into battle, and it says this, verse as we kind of close up the story, it says in verse 48, when the Philistines started forward to attack him, and I love this, I love this line, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet the Philistine. When, when I live from a place of trust and dependence on God, I can move towards opportunities with enthusiasm and passion. And that's what David did. He wasn't walking slowly towards this guy. He wasn't walking scared to this guy. He was running towards this guy. He wasn't afraid. I'm sure he respected the guy. Obviously, this is a warrior, but he was so confident in his God that he's like, man, I trust God. God's equipped me. I'm going. He, he ran towards opportunity with, with not fear, but with, with dependence on God, with enthusiasm, with passion. And it says this, David put his hand in his bag, in the bag, he took out a stone, he slung it, and hit the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down to the ground. David defeated the Philistine with a sling and a stone. David overpowered the Philistine and killed him without having a sword. David ran, and he stood over him. He grabbed the Philistine's sword, which was probably like... You know, picking it up is probably heavy for David. He picked up his sword and it says that he grabbed the Philistine sword. He put it, pulled it from its sheath and he used it to kill him. Then he cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they fled. The men of Israel and Judah rallied, shouting their battle cry and chased the Philistines. See, David's courage inspired an entire army to be courageous, to have courage, to do what they had been afraid to do. They needed a 16-year-old boy to lead the way, and he had done that. See, and, and you know this, whether you're a person of faith 
whether you're somebody that's kind of grappling with faith, maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, you, you've probably heard the, the story of David and Goliath. You're, maybe you're watching online. And deep inside of each of us, like we aspire to be courageous. I mean, we aspire to take bold steps. We aspire to be brave. Like we, we want that. Whether we're an individual, whether we're a church, whether we're a business, whether we're a team, we aspire to courage. We aspire to boldness. We aspire to, to take steps and be brave. I mean, no, no individual or business or team or church sets out to be afraid. But here's what happens. Over time, just like the army, we, we lose perspective. We realize hard things are hard. And we settle for existing instead of making an impact. And, and, and from the beginning, when, when we started City Walk, from the very beginning, we made the decision as a gathering that we would move forward with courage. We would take risk. We would choose impacting people, not just existing. But at some point, whether it's a church or, or it's an individual, at some point in your life, what, you, you probably have, have felt what I just said. So what I just said about our church, at some point you've, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, like you've wanted that for yourself. You've wanted that for your team. You've wanted that for your, the organization you're a part of. You've wanted to not, not just exist, but to do something that, man, makes you want to get out of bed. You, we've all wanted that. But, but just like we talked about on the front end of this message, wanting, hoping, dreaming, writing it, it comes down to what we do. So, so let me ask you a couple questions that are simple questions, but I want you to answer them honestly in your heart. Just honestly, think about your life and answer these questions honestly as we kind of evaluate, we kind of close things up on this series and we kind of evaluate this idea of Moving forward with courage, what that really looks like for you as an individual, for me, and for our church. So here's the first question. Do you want to live a life of courage? Simple question. Do you want? I mean, you, you might, if you're honest, you might say, not really. Honestly, I just, that's stepping out, doing stuff that's not comfortable. That's just not really in my DNA, or you know what, I did that, and it hurt, and it was hard, and I got burned a few times, and so honestly, if I'm honest, Chris, I really don't want that. Probably some of you, if you're honest, you would say that, and that's, I appreciate you being honest. Maybe you're, you're online, or you're here this morning, and you, as you think about this question, you say, you know what, my life might not show this, but deep down, deep down, I do. Deep down, I, I want to live my life courageously. I don't know what that even means totally. I don't know what that looks like totally, but, but I, I want that. And so that's the first question. And, and here's the second question. Do you want to be a part of a church that makes an impact or just exist? And again, don't, get, don't, don't give the Sunday school answer. Oh, of course I want to be a part of one that makes an impact. Do you though? Because existing is pretty comfortable. It's pretty comfortable, and it's like all the bills get paid, not too much controversy, and it's just like everybody likes everybody. We don't, you know, it's just, it's just nice. 
Impact's messy. It's hard sometimes. It's stretching. Pushes you out of your comfort zone. And so it's a a good question to ask. Do, Do I really want to be a part of a church that makes an impact or just exist? And, and here's the thing, whether either of those questions is true about you, whether you have courage in your own life or whether you're a part of a church that, that is not just existing but impacting, really the, what determines that for all of us is how we answer these next, and these are the last three I want to give you. I want to give you three questions that will answer that, those questions for you, the first two. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you, they'll really help you with courage in your own life. They'll really help you know, like, what, what, what's really going on in me? You'll, they'll really help you filter out, you know, when, when things are in your life where they push you out of your comfort zone, they'll, it, they'll be helpful to you. They'll be lifelines for you. And so let me, let me throw these three questions at you as we close. So here's the first question. This is a question David knew very clearly, and it's one of the reasons you know his story. First question is this, who called you? Who called you? Who called you to step into that opportunity? Who called you to be light in that relationship? Who called you to take that step maybe that others won't in your own life? Who called you to do it? It's an important question that that we need to know the answer for. Because if God called you to do that, if God's the one that placed you in that spot, then, then man, there's there, there should be more apt to have courage if, man, you're like, no, nah, this is all me. Yeah, this is not what God wants for my life. Then, then I can see being a little bit afraid. But it's really important when we're facing things in our life that are hard, that when we're tempted to quit, that we ask ourselves the question, who called me to this? I, I had a friend of mine who's a church planner. He says, Man, I couldn't quit because I'm not the one that started it. God's the one that started it. God's the one that called me. So when he tells me to leave, I'll leave. But I can't quit because I didn't start it. God did. So who called? Who called you? And here's the second question, again, that David seemed to have. Man, the whole army, they didn't get it. But David had this. Who equips you? Who equips you? Yourself? another person, God, basically, who do you depend on? Who equips you? Because if, if God equips you, and if you really believe that, if God's called you to something and God's the one that equips you, then that should, that should help you have courage. It should help me have courage. It should help us as a gathering have courage because God's equipped us. And so I don't have to look at you and say, you know what, if, if I had what they had and I had that gift and that gift and I could do that, then I could be better at what I'm No, If God equips you, he equips you to do something. So who equips you? And then the last question, and this is a big one, whose glory are you living for? Whose glory? Like whose reputation's on the line if you fail? If God's the one that called you and equipped you, then his reputation's on the line. Whose glory? For David, when David ran towards Goliath, God had called him, God had equipped him, and so it was God's reputation that was on the line. God was going to get the glory, God was going to get the embarrassment, his reputation was on the line, and so David, he moved into that opportunity with courage. 
where I think for the army, for Saul, they thought their reputation was on the line. It was about their glory. But for David, God had equipped him. God had called him. And it was God's reputation that was on the line. So he moved into something that was hard. And he moved into it with a lot of passion. And we have no greater example of this than Jesus. I mean, think about Jesus. Jesus left heaven. He left the comfort and glory of heaven. He came to earth. He lived as a poor man. He faced trials and temptations the same that we do. Yet he never sinned. And then at the age of 33, he laid down on a cross and he allowed people to nail his hands and his feet to a cross. He was insulted. He was humiliated. He was tortured so that people like us could have a relationship with his father. He's our greatest example of someone that moved towards something that was hard, but did it with courage because he had been called by his father. He knew it was what he was supposed to do. And as we we say yes, when we say yes to a relationship with Jesus, which I know many of you have, we begin a process of becoming like him. And one of the biggest areas that we should become like him is saying no to fear and yes to courage. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Because he's the one that called us. Because he's the one that equips us. And it's his glory, his reputation is on the line. So we can move forward into hard things as individuals, as a church. We can move out of our comfort zone because we've been called by God. We've been equipped by God. And it's all for his glory. So it's his reputation. So if whatever happens, it's his. He gets the glory. And that's how he wants us to live our lives. The story of David doesn't have to just be a story you hear about. It can be a story you live. If you remember who equips you, you remember who called you, and you remember whose glory this whole thing's for. Let's pray. Jesus, This morning, we, if we're honest, we all struggle with fear. We we all struggle with looking at other people and what they have and how they've been equipped and, and wanting to have what they have because, man, if we had what they had or we had the tools they had, we could do what you've called us to do. And you're telling us, you know what? No. I've called you, I've equipped you, and it's my glory that this thing's all for. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you'd say, man, Chris, I'm a a follower of Jesus. It's been a time in my life. Maybe you're watching online or you're here this morning. But but if you're honest, you'd say, you know what? The last maybe few months, last year, maybe the last decade, you say, man, my, my life's been characterized more by fear than by courage. Maybe this morning, God just wants you to be reminded that, hey, I'm the one who called. I'm the one who equips. So don't be insecure about what you have or don't have. And it's all for my glory.
so you can take a step without fear. Maybe you're here, you're watching online, and you're, you don't have a relationship with God. And we talked about how he was such an example to us of, of just moving towards hard things. When he came to earth, he died on the cross for our sin. He rose from the grave, all so we could have a relationship with Jesus. All so that we could live our life with courage and not fear. And maybe you're here, you're watching online, and you'd say, Chris, man, I don't have a relationship with God. But man, that, that first step for you to live a life of courage is to start one. You say, Chris, how would I do that? Real simple, just in the quietness of your heart, whether you're watching online or you're here, just tell God, just in your heart, just say to God, God, I admit to you I've sinned, I've failed, I've done things my way. Put it in your own words. Just tell God. Tell God right now. Then just tell him, just in your heart, God, I believe that when you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross and raise from the grave, that you did that for me. I believe that. And then just invite him. Say, God, would you just come into my life? Would you make me new on the inside? I want a relationship with you. Just tell him. And if you're here this morning and you made that decision, we'd love to know about it. We, you can fill out a card right in front of you. There's a card that says decision where you can tell us the decision you made. Maybe you have some more questions. You could write your questions on that card and then just drop it in the offering basket or at the next steps table on your way out. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc. There's a card there. We want to be a help to you. We want to answer your questions. We want to rejoice with you if you made a decision. And so fill that card out, and we'll be in touch this week. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to be afraid. I'm, I'm thankful, the Lord, that I don't have to equip myself. Lord, that, that we don't have to hope we have what we need. Lord, you've called us, you've equipped us, help us to walk courageously for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.